0: Full send.
1: And hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the LotCast from Trinity Road Times, one of your newest outlets for NC State Athletics News. I am your host, Trey Lauer, and we are joined by our panel Alec Lauer, my brother, is with us as well. Asad Malik is also going to be with us weekly on this. And our guest tonight is none other
2: than Corey Smith from Pack Pride. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate uh, you guys having me as the first guest. It's, uh, it's, I don't know. it's a, It's a big privilege. I feel kind of nervous. You should be honored. <laughs> I am very honored.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we've already, believe it or not, got a football game to talk about. Uh feels like forever ago, honestly, that they played. It was last Thursday that NC State and, and UConn uh, opened their 2023 season up there on the road, second year in a row that NC State's gone on the road to start the season. And I know there's been a little bit of some talk about the score of the game being closer than some people thought. And some people thought that maybe state should have played a little bit better. So let's just get right into it, honestly. Uh, but let's go positives first. What were your positives uh, from the UConn game? Uh, maybe something that you thought was better than you expected, or
2: or a player that stood out to you in, in some way. Uh, let's let's go with Corey first. Yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest positive, obviously, Brennan Armstrong's legs. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think we talked all offseason about you know him having to be a gamer, him having to be a guy that leads this team, and no matter what and you know obviously I think a lot of people think a guy that two seasons ago through for almost 4500 yards is going to be with his arm but you know the season prior he rushed for over 500 yards and there is a chance for him to be a guy that runs the football and runs it efficiently Uh, and I think that was the biggest thing was it wasn't he was just running you know around and trying to get free of people he was actually running productively I mean gaining you know five to ten yards chunk yardage picking up big third downs and scored two touchdowns so I think that's a big positive. It's something we talked about all offseason as a potential there. But, you know, when you lose two quarterbacks the season prior and you have to go through four quarterbacks, I don't think anybody expected NC State to run the football a ton from the quarterback position. Uh, and then defensively, I mean, I think the biggest positive, again, is, you know, your, your veterans stepping up. Obviously, Peyton Wilson, uh, while we're not talking about Aiden White and Shaheen Battle, that's mostly because uh, UConn had to steer clear of them uh, and that's a, a pretty big positive there that teams are already kind of looking out for both of them and going, all right, we're not going to throw their way. Uh, so, And and that and the fact that you had, you know, some depth pieces step up, too. Bishop Fitzgerald having to step in for Jakeen Harris in this game. And it just felt like there were some overwhelming positives, despite the fact that everybody kind of seems to think, like, all right, that wasn't a, a good enough game for them.
0: Mine is that they're 1-0. Um, <laughs> they're not, because they're fair enough. <laughs> I, I watch – we all watch th- – uh, the ECU game last year, and we all realized how lucky they were to be 1-0, and I don't feel like they're lucky to be 1-0, and I think that, you know, UConn is not the UConn that they were the last five years, um, and I don't think, like, I don't think the models are recognizing that yet, I don't think a lot of people are recognizing that yet, but this is, like, this is a decent football team, right, they returned a ton of guys from a group last year that, they went six and seven, but they went uh, five and two on the stretch, and they beat Liberty, who was eight and one when they played them, and they beat a Boston College team that we can't say we beat. So, yeah. you know, I think it was we, a tough. We need to point. talk about that. No, we're gonna move on from that immediately. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, it, it, to me, like it, it was a fine first game. I think that uh, I think they they played a good team, and I think that's gonna show up down the stretch. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, Corey Brennan Armstrong's legs. I knew, you knew he could run. I didn't realize how good of an athlete he was. Um, that was the whole. That was the whole offense for the most part. Uh, you know, UConn played a Dave, lot of deep zone. Um, Dave, and Dave
2: Jordan said that he looked like a linebacker in a and a quarter or a, a quarterback in a linebacker's body. Uh, and I thought that was a great uh, comparison there.
0: <laughs> yeah, they couldn't tackle him. He was like running through dudes. I remember one play. He ran basically right into a defensive tackle, trying to escape, and just busted off of him. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, that is that is a big deal, especially if you look forward you think, you know, the offensive line might be one of the weaker spots for State. That's going to be a big thing. Yeah,
3: no, and that's fine. I think, uh, just to piggyback on what Corey was talking about with how Brennan was able to run, it's how well distributed uh, the other running backs contributed as well compared to how... Um, how much the running game struggled last season. It was really uh, encouraging to see that Jordan Houston ran well, Michael Allen ran well, or Mims ran well. And it was something where they uh, were able to to get chunk plays. So, you know, Jordan Houston had a run for 15 yards. Michael Allen had an 18-yard run. Deborah Mims had a 16-yard run. So these longer than 10-yard runs are stuff that, we just didn't see last year and um, that coupled with the fact that six different receivers caught the ball that you know the passing total might not have been where we would want it to be you know hopefully as the weeks progress the passing numbers will go up but the ball was being distributed around the, around the field which which is pretty cool to see and um, when the longer passes did come those from 10 yards and beyond all all of those guys were caught passes um, I think that with the exception of Julian Gray, who his longest was nine yards everyone else had a pass of 10 yards or more so that that was uh, nice to see that. and that's an area that I'm, I'm looking to have them expand as we go on
1: yeah I kind of piggyback off that I was gonna I was gonna say that something that really stood out to me that was better than I expected right away was I don't know if he goes by Kevin or KC, but but Concepcion. He, he really, I think, is going to cement himself pretty quickly as a, a key piece in this receiving corps. I know there have been a lot of questions about uh, State's receiving corps this year. Obviously, Devin Carter has transferred out. Uh, we don't have Mecca Mezzi anymore. Obviously, he's been gone for a year. Thayer Thomas is gone. So I had some question marks and, and I think that, you know, for a true freshman to lead the team in receiving in his first game, now granted, they did not have probably Brennan Armstrong-esque numbers. If you look at his stats at Virginia, throwing the ball only 155 yards, but I I think that Kevin Casey Concepcion uh, is on his way to being a a, a key piece of this. Uh, I also think that, that Michael Allen in the past game was also good. I know he only carried the ball four times for for 30 yards, but he also had three catches for 27 yards. So um, I kind of get the sense, and I said this to somebody else, I said I think Michael Allen is going to be State's version of Sean Tucker. You know, we remember Sean Tucker with, with Syracuse and Robert and I, just a guy that could kind of do everything, run the ball down your throat and, and catch passes out of the backfield. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see what he's got for us this year also.
3: I'm, I'm really looking forward to the wheel route being broken up because I think Michael Allen or Trent Penix are two guys that if they get into open space on one of those routes. Like it, it could be just a huge, huge chunk yardage.
2: Yeah. And Michael Allen almost had a huge one. He ended up stepping out of bounds at that like 18, 19 yard gain. And it caught, it probably could have gone for six if he stayed in bounds there. And, and I, you know, picking back off what you said, Trey too. I mean, I agree with you on Michael Allen. I think he's got a chance. You saw Sean Tucker be, you know, one of the most productive running backs back in 2021, and then when Robert and I got his hands on him, he turned into a guy that could pass catch, uh, and you know was utilized more so in that way. Michael Allen coming out of Greenville Rose was not only a running back, but was used after his injury during his 2021 season. He was used as a primarily as a wide receiver as well. So um, he's a guy that played slot receiver there for his last season. He's got really, really good hands, and he's extremely elusive. So yeah, I agree. I think he's got a chance to be, you know, a, 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 I guess what would you call him a dual threat running back? I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, you know, Jalen Samuels light maybe. <laughs> I think it's I think it's all purpose. I believe is the phrase. Yeah, that's what I'm going yeah. for there. APB. I mean, like a Jalen Samuels light kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we got to stop comparing guys to Jalen Samuels. I don't Probably. Know that he Probably. That he last he's, year was one of one. Yeah, that, that dude. Yeah, one of one exactly.
1: Well, I guess uh, you know they're obviously beating a, a good UConn team by ten points is not something to be too upset about. But there probably are a lot of things that that state will take away from this. Um, one thing I heard was that play calling was was too conservative, maybe for some people. Um, maybe that was by design. Uh, that's up to your interpretation. But what was something that was a negative? Uh, maybe was, was worse than you expected that you want to see fixed for Notre Dame this weekend? I, for me,
3: I think it has to go to the offensive line. And uh, it's it's something that I'm trying to stay positive on because it is still the first week. And hopefully, um, you know, I, I know Cooper was injured last week, so hopefully they'll have him back in the lineup. But um, to have a non-ACC opponent on the road in week one for two years in a row where it seemed like the offensive line did not get the push up front that they needed to um, happen against ECU last year and happened again in, in the first week here against UConn. Um, so I, I'm going to try and not <clears throat> be too discouraged about that, but that's primarily the reason why Brandon Armstrong had to take off as many times as he did was the pocket was just collapsed. And he, he was able to make something positive come out of that bad situation but uh you know i'm hoping with how strong the defensive front is against notre dame that uh they can shore that up
0: yeah i think uh that's that's where the run game issues have been for a number of years is this is not a team that has run blocked very well um yeah, i've beat this drum in the offseason a lot i think state has pretty good running backs we're talking about michael allen you know i think that guy is is really good i'm a huge michael allen fan um his biggest run of the game was a play that should have been a loss. Um, you know, that was not a well-blocked play. He got hit in the backfield um, by a linebacker, but he he just ran out of it. It was kind of a poor tackle, to be honest. But um, he's a guy who can run through tackles. And I think Jordan Houston is maybe a little bit more of a of an in-space type of player. Um, so I I think, you know, Allen is your guy who who's going to be RB1. So that's one thing I want to see is I want to see him carry the ball more. Um, I think I think Trey I think he, said he had four carries in the
1: game. He only had four carries, and I think I I, I wonder if maybe they were just trying to save him. And I don't know, maybe they save him for Notre Dame, maybe a little bit more, and not really show Notre Dame everything that he has. But I don't quite necessarily know if I agree with that. But I I, I think I was a little bit surprised that he didn't carry the ball more, and that they kind of went with Jordan Houston 13 times for 57 yards here. So. Uh, I'd like to see more of, of him in the run game for sure, but he, like I said, he's he's good in the pass game already.
0: Yeah, I think they're just. I mean, they're going to cycle through uh, alignments and personnel, especially early in the year. Um, I think we saw that a lot with receiver. Um, I, I don't think there's a standout receiver, and there's uh, seven, eight, nine guys that, that could play. Um, so I, I think we'll see that. But I I agree with Assad. I think you know you want to see more from your from your offensive line. I don't think the play calling was an issue. Um, you know, I, I, think it was very intentional, you know, you got a team that's, that's playing light boxes, that's playing deep safeties, I, everything that they were doing was, was trying not to get beat over the top. So, um, you know, playing the underneath stuff is pretty much good football there. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't have any issue with that, but, uh, I, I like the receivers, um, more than I thought I would after one game. Um, particularly Casey, obviously I think everybody is, is high on him, um, He's very polished for a freshman. Um, I thought the usage was kind of strange, though. I want to see more of Rosner. I like his size a lot. Um, he had a really nice catch and what was also a really nice ball from Brandon in the second half, which I thought was best for the think, game. I
1: think there was one time they, they they threw it to him in the end zone, and the dropped UConn it. defender he either dropped it or the UConn defender made a good defensive play. But they did try to get it to him in the end zone one time also. But, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I think something that, that I wanted to see – um, more of was actually the pass game. I know I mentioned Concepcion, but, you know, only 155 yards for Brendan Armstrong. You look at that and you say, that's not what they were trying to achieve, right? I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Brennan Armstrong's not going to put up 400 yards passing every week, but I, I was concerned about the receivers coming in, um, and I know that I, I said that Concepcion was a, was a positive, but where was, was guys like Penix, and, and where was Julian Gray? Only two catches for, for 14 yards. We mentioned Rosner only had one for 14. Terrell Timmons only had one for 18. So those guys are going to have to step up, especially when they get into to the game like this weekend and into ACC play when you – I'm going to mention Duke in the same sentence as North Carolina and Florida State and teams like that, but you know, you're know you going to have to have your receivers step up in, in those games like that.
3: Yeah, I don't think that they, I don't think it was so much of an issue of them not stepping up because Brendan Armstrong was still 17 of 26, so it's not like it was.
1: Right, you know, like, you're right. I, I guess, I guess what I'm it. saying is, is, you know, expecting maybe a few more catches out of some guys. But like I, you said, I, I mean, state. There were a lot of times where armstrong didn't have time to throw the ball and he had to improvise so i can understand that. yeah he he really
3: needs about another 10 pass attempts per game is kind of i think where where they want the mid-30s is probably given the new clock uh being what it is with with how many plays are going to actually be able to be called in a a certain game greater than 30 is going to be where probably the sweet spot uh is going to be with with the passing game so that'll just provide more targets for the rest of the guys. I think that overall there just wasn't as many pass attempts going around. Um, so, and into that one play with Rosner in the end zone, I, I think when they look back at it, I had a chance to, to rewatch the game a couple of days ago. And I, and I think that it was, they probably wouldn't throw a fade to him. If you got a super tall receiver going against a defender like that, you're probably going to want to high point the ball like they used to do. Um, with, you know, with uh, Calvin Harmon. So something like that would be probably a, a, a better choice to take advantage
2: of the height of, uh, height with that wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. And it's similar to Kerry Angeline, what he used to do there in the end zone too. is like utilizing him more as a, you know, as a tight end because he does have the size over, over just about every DB that he's going to face. And, you know, I'll add to I mean, you brought up, you know, Trent Penix, and and I would bring up Juice Farine as well as guys that, that I expected to see potentially more out of uh, but one thing we heard out of camp, Trent Penix, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries, nothing that's going to keep him out. But you know, we saw Savion Jackson not playing this game. He sat out. We saw Lennon Cooper, who was actually warming up before the game. You know, had full pads and jersey and everything on, uh, and he didn't he didn't step out there on the field. I think they were holding back some guys that had some nagging injuries because they were thinking along the lines of like, hey, we can get out of this game. Let's be ready for let's be ready for Notre Dame and. You know whether that's the right approach or not, they survived this one, they get out of it. Uh, you know, Trent Penix only ended up with six snaps in this game. So it wasn't a you know, I don't think it's necessarily a a volume thing for him. It was just a matter of like, hey, let's get you out there, get some snaps under your belt again, and then let's, you know, let's get some other guys um, you know, some you like get them utilized here. Um and you know, I'll also add to as well, we you know, I think one of the issues in this game was the drops. Uh, Jalen Coit dropped two passes, Terrell Timmons dropped one. I mean, it was a bullet from uh, Brendan Armstrong, but you gotta make those catches, like especially when you're that wide open in space. Like um, that was a potential game touching catch, also. Yeah, I mean like it doinks off your hands and all you gotta do is just go three yards for a first down and you probably got wide open space for another ten to fifteen. So um and he's an electric player with a ball on his hands, he's just gotta get the ball in his hands. Uh, and then, you know, obviously as we mentioned, the Rosner one. You know the DB obviously affected that one, but at the same time, that's got to be caught. Uh, the the other thing I'll add to, I mean, if we're looking at the, you know, any kind of issues uh, with the defense, I thought for the most part, again, the secondary played extremely well. Uh, part of the issue in this one, and look, you know, Travali Price is not going to play nearly as much when Savion Jackson is back, but you know, he missed some assignments. Uh, he was you know, it was a little easy for for a guy like Victor Rosa to get off on the edge on him. Uh, and then we saw Devon Betty uh, you know missed a couple of assignments as well particularly that big 71 yard run by Victor Rosa uh, he missed the assignment just kind of overran it to the right side and then he's standing on the sidelines watching him run away so uh, you can't do those types of things especially against Notre Dame and especially once you get to ACC play because you know it's it, your defense is not going to hold up the entire game like it did in this one. You know, they, they gave up a, a touchdown on the opening drive and then only that 71-yard rush. You give up a big play like that, that's a momentum-swinging type of play if you're playing in the ACC or you're playing against Notre Dame. They cannot do those types of things. Yeah, yeah. He ran right past the spot where Betty was supposed to be standing, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Betty was sitting in a swarm of UConn players that are like, what are you doing here? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they um – that for, you brought up Price. Yeah, I mean, I think Price is a good player. That first touchdown run, though, yep. was he got he got bullied. On that, yeah, he going to great, and we've run. heard
2: so much out of fall camp about how great of a player he's been. But, like, this is his first start, his first real action. Like, he didn't even get over 100 snaps last year. So, this is – I mean, this is all brand new for him. Um, so, I, I do think he's going to get significantly better. So, I'm, I don't want to, like – that's the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not going to pinpoint either one of them because I do think – they're going to improve. Devon Betty hasn't, like, started a game since 2021 – or 2020 – yeah, 2021. So it's been a little while since he's had to, you know, get those types of snaps under his belt. And you just got to realize at that point, like, your that's your job now. Like, you can't just expect for, you know, Isaiah Moore to, to run behind you and get the guy. You can't expect for Drake Thomas just to suddenly, you know, blow that play up somehow. That's you now. You've got to be that guy. And I think that's going to be something that that they've got to come to terms with a little bit more.
0: I think um, suddenly blowing that play up somehow is like perfect description of Drake Thomas.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He had almost like an ESP type of awareness of what was going to happen. And then so just that run stuff ability of just like. Okay, they got three yards, and now that that plays over, as opposed to seventy-one yards. So, like that, that's going to be a, a big gap that we're going to miss this year. Yeah, yeah. he
0: was. I, I, think everybody, everybody was aware of how how good the linebackers were last year, but that dude was special. Um, he really he made was. the
1: Raiders roster, right?
2: I think he made the roster. Yeah, he actually. So, so he got cut by the Raiders, um, and they were hoping that he would clear waivers. Uh, but the the Seahawks actually ended up. That's right. Up. That's correct. Yep. Seahawks picked him up. I think that's a good fit for him. Actually, there. Yeah, and he made it. He actually made the NFL roster. Then at that point, because uh, he made a fifty-three man roster as opposed to having to go to a practice squad. And uh, that's an that's an undrafted guy making a roster, which
1: I'll point out. Also, uh, we were talking about the comparison from Michael Allen to Sean Tucker earlier. Sean Tucker also made a roster and is the is running back number two, I believe, with the Buccaneers. So. Just an interesting play. He went undrafted. That's just, I know. I,
0: I yeah, couldn't no, believe I, that either. I, I can't what? understand any of this. Really?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how the the Lou Groza Award winner goes undrafted and has not made a roster yet. Either. Yeah, that one still bothers me. We're, why? Why has nobody even considered Christopher Dunn? I just because
2: apparently because apparently his leg is not strong enough. And I'm like, what? Hey, what are we talking about 53 right? yard field
0: goal pretty easily. How much stronger <laughs> do you need to be? What are you kicking from 45 <laughs> yards away from the end zone?
2: People are doing that because of his height. Like, they're he's like five ten, five eleven. He's not a big dude, so everybody's just like, "Oh yeah, he's not going to be powerful enough." It's like, yes, he is. He's proven
0: that. I, I don't know. I think that's that's such like an NFL brain thing too. Like, yeah. like Drake Thomas. Just watch him play. Like, what what more do you need yeah. than that? I mean, like, yeah. put the tape on.
3: Put any tape on. Any
0: yeah. any game. Put the one from him when he was a freshman. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, just, I can never. I mean, I don't like the NFL draft, but like. I can never figure out how that stuff's supposed to supposed to work, because.
1: Well, and, and Chandler Zavala got a starting nod for the Panthers, so you're gonna have him and Icky on the Panthers O line, so that'll be
2: that'll be fun to watch. Forty mm-hmm. percent of the Panthers O line is now former <laughs> NC State players, which, as somebody pointed out today, is great until Bryce Young gets sacked and they give up the time. They give up this sack, <laughs> and he's like, "Yo, screw NC State." <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, uh, I guess one final musing for me from from the UConn game is, like we said, second year in a row where State went on the road uh, in I, – I, you were there, right, Corey? So, uh, I mean, I know it was probably a way more hostile environment at Dowdy-Ficklin than it would have been up there at Wrenchler Field, but it looked like it was a pretty full place and there was a lot of excitement and, and interest in the game. But I guess my final point is, is I was actually more worried about this game than I was the ECU game last year, and the reason being because it's not going to be as rowdy of an environment. It's a it's a UConn fan base that doesn't really know what to do right now because their football
2: team is good, and and like holiday good nights, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: So I, I was a little bit more concerned about this one, um, and you know what were the receivers going to do? We we mentioned all that already, but I said uh, my score prediction was twenty seven to thirteen. It ended up being twenty four to fourteen um but you know a win's a win we'll take it and and we'll 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 move past it but i'm telling you i've got that september 23rd duke at yukon game circled because duke's probably going to be undefeated going into that game and uh you know yukon's a better team than people think they are
2: so we'll see what happens when duke goes
1: up there in a couple weeks
2: yeah i think that's going to be a fun one because again as we said and, and alec pointed out earlier like this this yukon team is actually pretty good like i I actually joined a a UConn podcast immediately afterwards and and talked to them because they were like, "What did you think of the team?" Like, you know, we've just been kind of you know like talking about this over and over again, but like, what do you guys think of it? Because you know, you guys are an outside source and you see Power Five football all the time. I was like, I thought they were pretty good. Like that right guard they've got is definitely NFL caliber. He blew up a couple plays um, and you know gave them some good yardage. And then you know a couple of the D linemen for them. And, you know, they, they blew up some plays as well. So I thought UConn was a very good team. And I, I just – I think that caught me, a lot of people by surprise. It was – you know, it was a good atmosphere. It definitely was not anything anything close to what we saw at, at, at you know, ECU the year prior. Um, and I think it was also – it was also some issues too. Apparently, like, there was a plane the day of that was supposed to fly out with a bunch of NC State fans – that were supposed to be on like a spirit air or not a spirit airlines frontier i don't want i don't want yeah i don't want to hurt spirit airlines feelings here but frontier which is basically the same caliber oh, cuz uh, it was probably breeze airways if it was delayed yeah. so <laughs> well, it was, breeze was actually flying out the day before and, and nobody had issues there actually i know of oh, okay. people that were on that flight but uh yeah the the yeah the the frontier one did not fly out that day and uh yeah there was like apparently like over 100 NC state fans that were expected to be on that one um, and they all just left and had to go home to watch the game. So, you know, I think the atmosphere could have been a little more NC State centric if if some of that happened. But, uh, yeah, there was it was a good atmosphere. But I think uh, this it's a good one to get and then move forward. And now you've you've got that under your belt and you can go into the next like real big road game is going to be, I'd say, against Duke as well for NC State at at Duke. Uh, the other one is, you know, obviously, Virginia before you get to the bye. Uh, so the state's got a, a good chance to, if they can win this game against Notre Dame this Saturday, suddenly you know put themselves into a you know a good stretch of wins before they have to go on the road to Duke.
0: That um that plane wasn't the diarrhea plane that was all over the news, was it?
2: No, <laughs> that was coming from a different country.
1: So we're...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just had to know.
1: I think um, one thing I, I wanted to, to, to touch on as well is I think we got to give some credit to UConn's running back Victor Rosa. I, I wouldn't be shocked if someone gets an NIL deal his way here at the end of the season because he he he's a good player.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's there's plenty of money flowing in Hartford, Connecticut. So <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Watch well uh, like... we
2: we should move on here to, to the
1: game this week big game I'm s- kind of stunned that it's a noon game but no Notre Dame nonetheless coming to Carter Finley no hurricane in the forecast this time uh, it was also a noon game last time though uh, but you're stunned that NC state has a noon game in September
3: <laughs>
0: well if you look
1: at <laughs> if you look at the primetime game on ABC is Wisconsin at Washington State and oh, I kind of understand why that game is the primetime
2: game but Notre Dame-NC State just feels like a primetime game to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the big primetime game on Saturday is obviously the, uh, the Alabama and Texas game. right? Uh, so that one's, you know, you knew that that one was going to be it. And then, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Wisconsin's a pretty big name, too. So it's like you, you get those. Um, I mean, for the most part, the rest of them, uh, the only other one, has a big game that's, you know, probably gonna take some eyeballs off of NC State, obviously Nebraska and Colorado, uh, just because now people wanna watch, you know, the show. They want to watch primetime, they wanna see, you know, they wanna see what all those receipts are about. Uh, so I think that's gonna be, you know, something that takes away from NC State and Notre Dame. And you, you hope that, you know, if, if NC State does end up pulling off the upset, that it does get the attention that it deserves and it's not, oh, well, you know. The prime did it again, and they beat Nebraska because that's probably going to happen. If we're being yeah. honest, like I've seen Matt Rule football, uh, I've seen <laughs> Nebraska football over the years, and a match made in heaven.
0: By the way, <laughs> as long as as long as Colorado's down by four in the fourth quarter, they'll win.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Notre Dame's interesting to me because. The you know, Last time they came here, they threw 40 passes in a hurricane for some reason. Still can't figure out why. But but also, their quarterback is, is Sam Hartman. And if I'm not mistaken, Sam Hartman has never won at Carter-Finley Stadium. He has not. So it's kind of a house of horrors for him, much like Winston-Salem is a house of horrors for us. So I guess I'll start with, with Assad here. Um, what are your general thoughts on Saturday's game? And can State make Sam Hartman 0-3 at Carter-Finley Stadium? I think they can. I, I think this is probably,
3: it's not a stretch to say this is the best team he will have talent wise brought into Carter Finley. But, you know, they have played just not even cupcakes, just like mini cupcakes in their first two weeks. Um, so you don't even know what you really have with, with Notre Dame yet. Um, but I, I think he's got more all around talent around him. Than he had uh, previously at Wake, at Wake Forest, and uh, I, I think he has shown, at, at the bare minimum, that he can succeed without the mesh offense around him. So I, I think that we're gonna see a heavy, heavy dose of Sam Sam Hartman. I, I think they're gonna give uh, and to say it, everything, <laughs> everything that they
2: they can and more. So I, it's good. It's gonna be tough. Corey? Yeah, you know, the big thing I'll add in these last two games uh, that they faced him, I mean, you look back at, at two years ago, he threw for three interceptions, uh, passed for two touchdowns. I believe he rushed for a touchdown as well. Yeah, he had, he had, actually, that 2021 season, we saw, I mean, what looked like, you know, probably Sam Hartman, the runner, uh, more than even the passer. Uh, so I'll, I'll be surprised, I'll be interested to see what he does in this game because. I wouldn't be surprised if he does run the football a little bit in this one uh, just because of his struggles against NC State's secondary over the last two years. The last two years, he's thrown for six interceptions against NC State total. So they're going to be trying to get to him. Uh, it's Shaheen Battle, we talked to him earlier this week, and he's like, yeah, I want to get another one off of him. Like, <laughs> I want another one off of him, so I want him to throw my way. He, you know, Aiden White, we know Aiden White wants everybody to throw his way because he just wants to get another interception. Uh, he literally just wants a chance, uh, and he didn't even get that in the last game. So, you know, I think the DBs and C-State safeties, uh, I, I'll be interested to see if Jakeen Harris is healthy in this one because I think that's the question mark is, you know, I, I love the way that Sean Brown played in the last game, uh, and obviously Bishop Fitzgerald I thought played really well too, but uh, you have to see what uh, what those guys are capable of in this game.
0: Yeah, I think I think Hartman and Notre Dame go really well together. Um I've I have i have been on record before saying that I thought Sam Hartman at Wake Forest was a little bit overrated as a quarterback. Very productive. Uh, he, he was turnover prone, um, and you know they asked him to do a lot. You know Wake never had a defense. They never had a strong running game. Right now you you put him on a team that that generates more offense. You know schematically through play action and and you know has the run game to to be a balanced offense, and they have a run game. Um, that's what worries me uh, about about this game. Is Notre Dame is just a much more complete football team than Wake Forest ever was. Uh, so you, know, you talk about the turnover issues that Sam Hartman's had with NC State. You know, he, he's you know trying to do everything basically. He and his receivers, and and I, I'm worried that may not be the case in this game. You know, Notre Dame has two probably two first round draft picks on the offensive line. Um, that one guy uh, Estime seven point three yeah. yards per carry right yeah. now. Uh, and like Assad said, you know they've played two pieces of roadkill so far. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I, it's hard to say. Like, you don't really know what they have from Navy yeah. and Tennessee State. I think some people thought Navy might be competitive, but Navy is bad. And then Tennessee State is, is not even – no. So like
1: Yeah, and I will point out real fast also, who does Notre Dame play the next week? Ohio State. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be looking yeah. to the Buckeyes, but – but they should though.
0: I think they should do that. Yeah, they, they should, should do, that. Ahead. Ahead do that. Go ahead, do that. I'm gonna email Sam Hartman and ask him to do that. Um, no, I mean I don't mean to like. I'm not like he's a good quarterback, of course. Like, um, but with the team around him now, in in the, I just I think it's too much for us. Um, you know, they have really good corners too. Uh, they have their own good corners. Uh, you know, they they're, they're going to be talented. They're replacing some stuff on the defensive line. Uh, there's some question marks in the secondary, particularly at safety, but, you know, these are going to be really talented guys. They're going to be good athletes. They're going to have speed. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out our, our passing game, our, our receiver rotation, and work through all those things. And, uh, you know, I think State will be ready to play in this game for sure. Uh, but I think in the, in the end it's going to be a little too much for them.
2: Well, I was going to say to your point – you know it's not only this the most complete team or a better team around him only from the playmaker standpoint but like i mean for nc state their calling card over the last couple years has been getting pressure on him and forcing him to pass the football faster than he wants to you know forcing him out of that that mesh one of the big things with the mesh offense too is the fact that it slows things down so much that you end up having to make a snap decision like you know, the the RPOs just look different. You know, you you're holding the football for so long and then you have to take it out and immediately make that throw. With a traditional RPO, which is what he's playing right now, it's just you fake the handoff, pull it back out, and make the throw because you have that option. And I think there's there's just there's much better cover. I mean, there's much better receivers, but also having that having that offensive line is gonna force NC State to have to be that much better. You know, in the secondary and and force them to have to not make any sort of mistakes in the secondary because of the fact that it's going to be so difficult to get pressure on Sam Hartman and force him into those mistakes. So it's going to have to be on the DBs to force him into those mistakes and give him disguised coverages and try to be able to, you know, get over the top and be able to get some of those interceptions as well.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see some uh, quite a few blitz packages and, and some man coverage as well. We um, talked
2: about the vanilla offense. I think it was a very, very, very vanilla defense for NC State. It was very much a contain, contain, contain. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't rush a ton. You didn't see any blitz packages. What's like zero exotic blitzes. I mean, there's a couple blitzes, but it was like, all right, we're gonna send the house, and we're gonna force you to throw the football. It wasn't, you know, sending stunts or anything along those lines. I think you're gonna see a lot more of that in this game. Well, yeah, we talked about,
1: or uh, Robert and I actually, I should say, talked about, you know, you, you probably saw that too, Corey. We wanted to get more out of the offense this week. Um, oh, getting there, yeah. Explosives. Yeah,
0: explosives. Explosives. Explosives,
1: yeah. <laughs> what, what is what is something maybe that, that we didn't see against UConn that, that we might perhaps see against Notre Dame? I'm assuming that the deep ball might be one of those things.
2: Yeah, shots down the field, but also more designed screen pass, screen plays, um, you know, outside to the wide receivers. You saw it a little bit, um, particularly in the running game, where you know to running back. So Michael Allen getting a couple, um, you know, where they're setting up, and you have two blockers in front of them, three blockers in front of them. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that in this game. You know, the explosive plays are not just 18, 20 yards through the air. It's also just getting, you know, finding a way to get 20-plus yards uh, through the receiving game. You can do that quickly by being able to set up those uh, those types of plays. So I, while I think, you know, his thought process and, and everybody else is listening is going, all right, we want to get some deep shots down the field, get, you know, 20 air yards out of this thing, you can also get it by throwing five yards down the field and having proper blocking uh, and having guys in front of him to be able to create – those types of plays whether it's a guy like Julian Gray or you know Terrell Timmons uh, or you know Kevin Concepcion as well as you said you've got some big play guys I'd love to see Bradley Rosner get in there maybe a Juice Vereen or Trent Pennick somebody along those lines but you're seeing there's a lot of guys that have speed and elusiveness that you can also utilize in those types of ways too. So yeah we know that
3: those guys have a lot of speed and one of the calling cards that we've been told about Robert and I's offense is he has a way of scheming guys open so that's one thing that I I would really like to see is just scheme guys open and like you're saying Corey if they're even if they're open 10 15 yards down the field with space in front of them because yards after catch is an area that was lacking in the Tim Beck offense so if that is something that you could Get guys open with room to work with, and then let their speed um, use it to their advantage. You know, somebody like Julian Gray, who we know how fast he is. If he can get the ball in space like that, then then something good could happen. Yeah,
0: that's or a great point. Go ahead, okay. yeah. I was gonna say that's a great point because the personnel is much more structured to that type of receiving core now. Um, you know, Tim Beck and even the late uh, Eli Drinkwitz years. Every receiver was six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds, and ran a four seven forty. Um, but now with Gray and, and they have so much more speed on the field, you know that, that's a that's a great point I think.
1: Could you imagine this team with Kelvin Harmon and Amecha Messi? Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Last guys. years.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing too is like you've you, that's what you're missing right now is you're missing those guys that can catch the ball over the top. Uh, I think the issue that you'd like to see is not only guys being able to hit that home run but guys that are able to, you know, fight off DBs, guys that are able to make those 50-50 catches and, and turn them into, as Kelvin Harmon used to say, 80-20 catches, you know, like, I, they felt confident. Ryan Finley felt confident every single time he threw it up to those guys to be able to come down with it. That's what NC State's missing a little bit right now is, like, yeah, you didn't have guys that were going to be able to, to catch the ball and, you know, hit them in stride, and they were going to be able to outrun DBs, but, like, you don't have – either one of those when guys aren't catching the football either. So, uh, and, and one thing I'll add too, you mentioned, you know, scheming guys wide open. The biggest area where I think NC State needs to scheme guys wide open in this game is going to be in the middle of the field because they feel the you know, linebackers for, for Notre Dame are very good. Uh, but if you can get guys over the top, like a Julian Gray or a Porter Rooks or, you know, a, a Kevin Concepcion as well, like any of these slot receivers they have rolling in and out of there if they can get the ball in open field, not to say that it's a weakness of this team, they don't really have a weakness on the defensive side of the football, but the the safeties can be had. You know, the safeties for them can be had. So if you can find a way to get over the top of the linebackers, get the ball in their hands, they can create against the safeties. Like you said, those DBs are really good for them. The linebackers are very good. Uh, the defensive front is going to be difficult to hold off. But if you're able to get the ball – out in an open space there I think there's a chance to be able to pick up some big yards against those safeties. So real quick
1: here because we've got a few minutes left uh you can find our picks on trinityroadtimes.com but Corey curious to hear what you think about Saturday.
2: Yeah I mean I feel like this is a game that again NC State can win I've you know I've said I'm on record saying I think it's a 27 to 23 win for Notre Dame uh, but I could easily see it go the other way I just I think for it's going to come down to NC State being able to execute offensively. I know the defense is going to be there. Uh, I get the feeling they are going to be able to kind of, you know, find ways to pressure, whether it's through, you know, the the front six or whether it's through, you know, coverage sacks, to be able to get to Sam Hartman and and force him into some, some mistakes. Uh, it's going to come down to being able to stop the run game because, as you said, uh, Alec, Audrick Stime is, is a very, very good running back, uh, somebody they're going to have to be able to hold off. and. He's a guy that's made some mistakes in the past, too. He's had some fumble issues in the past, so you've got to be able to force him into mistakes and, and get that takeaway bone out there. So real quick
1: here before we we say goodbye for this first episode, uh, one last thing to touch on, Jamar Boston just recently recruit, or committed to NC State. Boy, Joker Phillips is no joke right
2: now recruiting. That was, that was very, very sly. Um,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I – I mean, look, you know, it's funny. Two months ago, everybody on our boards and everybody in NC State, you know, Wolfpack Nation was like all over Joker Phillips about how terrible of a recruiter he is. Is he ever going to close a deal? Mm-hmm. And suddenly he gets three guys that are just electric wide receivers. <laughs> you know, we'll see We'll see what happens with uh, Jonathan Paler, whether he plays running back or wide receiver. He had four touches this past week, one as a receiver, three as a running back, and scored touchdowns on all four. So just give him the
0: ball more. Give
2: him the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if he'd stop running it into the end zone, they could give it to him more. Um, but yeah, he's he's an electric player, and uh, I think Jamar Boston is another one that's going to be great. He's he's that home run hitter that we were just talking about that's missing for NC State. He's uh, a guy that you know, average. I want to say it was like over twenty three yards per catch last season. Uh, he only had thirty five receptions and he had like over seven hundred yards. So he's just absurdly good too. Uh, and somebody a lot of people missed out on. And there could be one more as well. There's there's potential for a flip as well. Uh, NC State could come away with four receivers in like uh, less than three months. Uh, and, and they would all be guys that I think have a chance to be really, really productive. And, uh, you know, build around MJ Morris and potentially Cedric Bailey and Will Wilson, all these other quarterbacks they already have in the fold. Awesome. Well, uh, one last thing here. I know Alec
1: wanted to wrap up with a random question of the day. Well, what did you end up deciding on?
0: Uh, the only submission I got was how many trees are there in Raleigh. Oh boy. Uh... <laughs> Maybe we'll have better ones in the future. A lot
1: less than there were ten years ago. Let's just exactly. say.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Are, are we going by the two thousand fourteen or two thousand thirteen or two thousand twenty three? Yeah. Let's see. Uh 25,000? Like it doesn't feel like there's a ton left, man. I no. mean Yeah, in left. inside the city limits, yeah.
0: I don't know. Oh, What's inside the city like city the city limits or in like the Raleigh like with the tree was know. a house, would it have a Raleigh address? <laughs> Cuz I feel like that changes the discussion, yeah. Yeah. The line um, it, the line is hazy. I think I think it's we, at least county there's a lot more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's uh, going to
1: wrap it up here for the very first episode of the LotCast. Corey, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much for being our inaugural guest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week to recap the Notre Dame game and preview VMI and any other NC State-related news. See you all later.